Okay, I, I got in through this gate with really dangerous stuff. It's called words. <laughs> Much more dangerous, I assure you, than anything, than anything else. <laughs> there you go, that's only technology. Um, it's a pleasure to be here, and um, uh, why am I here, I ask myself, when, during the England versus Argentina match. I think the, the organizers really did well there. Um, <laughs> Maybe it's because I have a Nobel Prize, and maybe it's because I got a knighthood, you know, called Sir, that rather quaint British custom that we have. When I got a letter from the Prime Minister, it said, the Prime Minister has it in mind to advise the Queen to offer you a knighthood. At the bottom, two little boxes, tick yes or no. <laughs> my, my, my pen hovered over the no for a microsecond. I realized how thin the veneer of my Republicanism was at that moment. <laughs> I got a letter which said, there's no downside to a K. That's the in parlance for a knighthood. And it's true. My friends, they're happy and they like it. And my, those who don't know me, like you guys, you're impressed, maybe. <laughs> and my enemies are really pissed off. There's no, doubt, <laughs> no downside to it. Bill Gates was an example. When he comes to my name on the word processor, he comes to Harold Croto and, and suggests I change it to Harlot Crouton. <laughs> Sir Harlot Crouton is my name today. I've been asked why and how I got here. I'm a scientist, but my real passion and the thing that I love most is graphic art and design. My first award was in book jacket design. It is everything in many ways, but I was born just at the start of the war. And my dad made me do science because he knew that that would give me a good career. And there was no careers in art and graphics at that time. So I did five years of science, another five years. And unfortunately, I got better and better. And I ended 60 years later with the Nobel Prize, a total failure. That's the problem. What did we do? Rick Heath. Jim, Jim Heath was involved. You heard about him yesterday or this morning. And what we discovered was this molecule. Okay, I called it after Buckminster Fuller. This is called the buckyball. It's a beautiful molecule. And believe it or not, it has the same symmetry as a soccer ball. Okay? And what's more, you can add groups to it. It's got five legs. Okay? These are phenyl groups and a hydrogen. It's like one of those little animals, those fossil animals, walks around. I'm not quite sure exactly what that is, but... Uh, <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, well, Rick Smalley... Bob Curl and myself got the Nobel Prize, and Jim Heath, Sean O'Brien, and Yuan Liu, they got a bloody good Mexican meal out of it. There's no doubt about it. But Jim is doing fantastically well and will probably win one by himself. Now, what is science? It's three aspects. It's a cachet of knowledge which you learn at school. And then it's the application to many things, the harbor process. The harbor process produces fertilizer that, in fact, probably feeds 90% of the world. It's cures for malaria polio, smallpox. That's success. I belong to that group of people who I believe follow philosophy that has had tremendous success. But third, the third aspect is the methodology. The methodology whereby science makes discoveries. That's what kids do. It's actually kids' stuff, and that's the most important aspect of it. In the 21st century, I think nanoscience and nanotechnology really is the chemistry of the 21st century. Chemistry really hasn't started yet. I'll give you an example. My favorite molecule is not that bloody football. I'm sick and tired of it. It's this one. I don't know whether you can see it. It's got hydrogen atoms. It's nitrosoethane. It's got uh, nitrogen and oxygen and carbon in the middle and hydrogen. 
Does anybody think it looks like anything? Can you see it? Yeah, someone said a dog. Here's a dog. It's, it's an Irish dog because it's been drinking. It's got a red nose. <laughs> and as it walks along the streets and sees the Liffey, it's been drinking. You know what the dogs do in the Liffey? Well, that's what they do. Okay. <laughs> Molecules do things. The molecules of the 21st century will do things. ATP synthase, fantastic molecule, produces all the ATP and makes your muscle go. We're going to make molecular machines. Now, let me tell you a very simple story. There were three ancestors of ours a long, long time ago. And one of them, he picked up a stone and played around with it. And he dropped it and discovered that the, it was a flint and it broke and it had a sharp edge. And he cut his finger on it and he started sucking his finger. And the next guy noticed this and said, if I drop it and cut it in the right way. Maybe I'll be able to make a knife, and we'll be able to cut up this deer, right, and share it between the rest of us. Okay? That was technology. The first was science and discovery by accident. The third guy had just had a row with the others and pinched the knife and killed the other two and had the, the deer for himself. But he didn't realize that he needed the other two to survive, so all three died. That's a parable for the future, and we need to worry about the way technology will be used. So that's the problem. Okay, that I face at this present time. I want to come to the next part. Don Marcus said, if you make people think they are thinking, they will love you. But if you really make them think, they will hate you. Now I'm going to add my word. If I make you mad in the rest of my talk, I feel I will have succeeded because I will have made you think. And I think that's not bad. You may think I'm bad, but not necessarily. Science is based on one thing, and that is doubt and questioning. Careful study of the questions and the answers. Let me tell you a story. There was a guy walking down the street in Glasgow, and he looked over the other side of the road, and there's a guy standing at the bus shelter with a huge, humongous dog with big teeth and growling away. And he went over to the guy and said, hey, Jimmy, he says, he says did your dog bite? And the guy said, no. So he patted the dog on the head. The dog went, bit his fingers off and blood streaming out of his hand. He said, I thought you said your dog doesn't bite. He says, it's not my dog. <laughs> this is a scientific story because questions and answers have to be very carefully assessed. Now then, doubt and questioning and conviction are the most important things as far as I'm concerned. That's the philosophy of science. Doubt, question, questioning, answers, but not conviction. People say that Einstein believed in God because he said God doesn't play dice. Well, sure he doesn't. He doesn't play too much at all. But what Einstein actually said and wrote very clearly is the following. I believe in Spinoza's God, who reveals himself in the orderly harmony of what exists, not in a God who concerns himself with the fates and actions of human beings. That, I believe, is a recipe for atheism. Now, I have three religions. In fact, I used to say I was a devout atheist. And then I became a militant. And I said, if things got worse, I'd become a fundamentalist atheist, right? <laughs> and things did get worse last September, okay? And I got very angry. And I have three religions, as I said. One is atheism, the other is humanism, and the other one is amnesty internationalism. I think with those three, you wouldn't have the problems that we have today. Unfortunately, so few have them. A key factor governing the minds of those who destroyed the World Trade Center was not doubt, but it was conviction. The fear to doubt was a really important aspect of it. In fact, that great Irishman, George Bernard Shaw, says, it is not disbelief that is dangerous to our society, it is belief. 
I'll change that. It is conviction. That is the problem. Now, the Royal Society, of which I remember, when it first started, it had two th thoughts of what its motto would be. One was, what a lot we don't know. That still is important today. I think it could have chosen that. But it also chose, but it, what it chose was, we take no one's word for it. I would hope that you would do the same. You Americans yesterday asked why in Pakistan and on the West Bank did people cheer? Why the most graphic thing for me was a six-year-old kid with a green band running around dreaming of being a suicide bomber. We have to change that environment. And we don't quite know how to do it. And this leads to me to the last point. I set up the Vega Science Trust, and there's a card down there. And in fact, there's a card with a buckyball, so there's two cards on there. And we set up a website, and we've made 65 programs. 45 have been shown on BBC Two. And they are by scientists, not science media people. They're by scientists themselves who actually made the advances. And I was on radio, and I mentioned this. And a teacher who was not a scientist said, you, I heard you on the radio last week. I said, oh, what did I say? Because I certainly couldn't remember. He said, we well, said something interesting. You talked about Harold Pinter. And you said, if I want to know what Harold Pinter thinks, then I want to hear him. I don't want to hear a critic talking about Harold Pinter or his plays. I want to hear him. And what did he say? Well, Harold Pinter has criticized the USA. And he was asked, why don't you criticize the Russia? He said, it's very easy to criticize Russia. We must criticize the USA, the most powerful nation. And many Americans here, I think, should listen to what people like Pinter, they're not stupid people, said. And what I remember, I think his words were the following. He characterized US foreign policy as, do as I say, and I'll leave you alone. All right? Why is that? I need to think, I think, now, whether those glo in this global environment, nationalism, patriotism, and religious conviction, and political conviction are necessarily good things. Flag-waving, I don't think, is any that good myself, except at football matches, which I'll be waving probably, hopefully, in a few minutes' time. I think the US can be really proud of one of the greatest magnanimous gestures of this century, or the last century, and that's the Marshall Plan. It wasn't to kick Germany when it was down, but to rebuild it. I suggest people think about what might happen if one really thought about rebuilding the West Bank and solving that problem in other places as well. I, think there's n I can think of nothing better than the Marshall Plan in my lifetime. It was a fantastic gesture of which U.S. can be truly proud. I want, but must, you must learn that lesson. Well, on our website, www.vega, V-E-G-A, after the star, .org.uk, you'll find Fred Sanger, two Nobel Prizes, one for sequencing DNA. He is the creator of the GM revolution. You can actually see him talking about things. We have Joseph Rupplatt, the only scientist to resign from the Manhattan Project when Germany capitulated, when there was no need for an atomic bomb. He then set up Pugwash, which was the anti-nuclear pressure group, which unfortunately has failed so miserably. But still, at 94, he's working, fantastic man. You can see him. And he will talk about policies of governments with regard to the development of the hydrogen bomb. You can see the people who actually created history. Well, what should you say? I'm here. Don't respect me for what I've done and what I achieved, but perhaps respect the philosophy which I feel has led me to those achievements. That's more important. What about the suicide bombers? Don't hate them themselves but question the philosophies which led them to do those things. We're a family, and we have to look at the people around us. 
I believe doubt is absolutely vital. Doubt me. Don't accept what I say. Doubt your parents. Doubt your teachers. Doubt books. And most of all, doubt yourself, because you can mislead yourself more easily than anybody else can, as Feynman told us. Fear of doubt, I think, is the most dangerous thing at the present time. My suggestions, why am I here? I don't know, usually. But one thing I have is determination, OK? And I suggest that whatever you think and fascinates you, do it to the best of your ability, OK? Someone could do it better, because they're not as fascinated and keen as you are. You'll do it better. Whatever you know, they're all they're clever, and there's lots of people smarter than I am and you are. Don't give up, and try not to let anyone down. But there are two more things, and I think they are humanity and a sense of humor. Someone said I can't remember who it was. No one with a sense of humor ever founded a religion. Okay, interesting point. <laughs> Did I make you mad? Well, if I didn't, I've wasted my time. Okay, think about it. And finally, we're in Dublin, fantastic city. I've been here several times. Marg and I, my wife, we just love coming. Ireland, wonderful place, uh, lots of friends. It's an enigma to me. The land of Joyce, Shaw, the Clancy Brothers, who I used to sing about Catholicism, and Hamilton. Hamilton, who's he? Probably the greatest Irishman. The Hamiltonian to, to scientists is crucial to our understanding of the world. And of course, the fantastic Frank McCourt, who talked so beautifully yesterday. He's a great storyteller. Ask him to tell you the story about Ian Paisley. It'll, you'll be having it in stitches for a long time. But finally, my closest friend, a guy called Reg Collin, is a professor in Brussels. His mother was Irish. His father was a Belgian, and he was brought up in England. A wonderful combination of really my closest friend. And he got a phone call from uh, Professor Murphy in Dublin. And Professor Murphy said, uh, Reg, he said, uh, is George Verhagen there? His colleague. He said, no, he's not here. He said, uh, but I'll pass on. And then Reg said, oh, by the way, he said, my mother's Irish too. There was a pause. And then Murphy said, well, we all have our problems. <laughs> Thanks a lot.